This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Good morning to you. Welcome into Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Wilson Jeremy. I am Jay. We've got Java on the board this morning, and the full crew is here. You can email us. Everyday Tech at mpbonline.org. It is great to have the whole crew together. Uh, Wiltz, you've been uh, adventuring all over the land, learning some new stuff and, and staying on the cutting edge of uh, uh, information technology. What's been going on in your world, man? How you doing? Oh, man, just, uh, well, like you said, just kind of been been running around all over, been, been out in Texas a little bit, getting ready for uh, election season to return return to us so that should be fun trying to get some some things in order for that been doing some some upgrades around over here and yeah just basically uh running around way 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 too much nice to uh to, to sit down and join join my friends here absolutely maybe have a a, a question or two to try to uh, dig into and rabbit hole down jeremy good morning how's it going uh last week uh for folks uh uh, live radio moment here. Uh, Jeremy texted me a little bit before the show last week and was like, hey, little wiring job has become a big, bad wiring job. So uh, I'm kind of stuck right now. And that's, you know what, sometimes that happens. So tell us a little bit about what's been going on in your world and, and maybe how little wiring jobs sometimes become massive wiring jobs. Because I totally felt, when you sent that text, I totally felt uh, that that uh, emotion that you were sending to me. Oh, man, this was going to be something simple. And now it's a whole different thing. Well, basically, last week when I got the uh, call for the job, uh, it sounded like I was just going to be going to plug a switch in the back and hook everything into a patch panel like a, a normal business is designed. So uh, the patch panel being uh, the part where all the wires come in and meet something that you can actually plug into. And so I was like, yeah, OK, yeah, you just need me to connect your Internet to your actual in your walls no problem i get there and hanging six feet off the ground is (laughs) a huge cluster of cables that have been cut from the old patch panel which i guess the old uh business uh tenants took with them (laughs) and i was just kind of baffled i was like well uh I can do this. There's no problem with that. But I was like, this, this is a pretty big job. So, um, turned into uh, a tin office set up for a oh. patch panel and having to like tone out all the wires and figure out where everything was in the building. It was fun because I don't get to do a lot of those anymore because usually those panels are not taken when you leave, but yeah. you know, there's a first time for everything. The part that really got me was the six feet off the ground cables because I had to be on a ladder or actually in a chair for most of it. So it was uh, hard on my legs. Wow. But it was was a fun job, and uh, the client was super happy. And uh, they were a new business here in town, and they, they needed somebody to turn around for them quick, so they called the right number. But this weekend... I had an even bigger tsunami of work Uh-oh. hit me. Yeah, so um, 
this one's cool because it's totally relevant to the show and everything. It's sort of a public awareness thing that I discovered through this job. So my uh, new client, Tim, called me and he's like, man, this is my work computer. I've got to have it. I used to build computers, but I tried to reinstall Windows on this one and it's just... I'm just having a hard time. I can't seem to get all my drivers set up, even though I've got them all installed. And I was like, okay, well, I can definitely help you. And then he said, well, my real problem, dun, 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 <laughs> my real problem is that I have a Samsung 980 Pro that I did not update the firmware on. And apparently the firmware that he was on, I didn't even know you had to update the firmware for your SSDs. I feel like an idiot being on the radio announcing that. But like, I thought, I just thought that was something that it handled within the operating system, but it doesn't. Okay. So wow, that's, that's scary, right? Yeah. So, I wouldn't have known um, about that. The Samsung 980 pros specifically about a month ago, uh, it was announced publicly that they are having a major defect in the firmware that will cause it to turn from uh, a solid state drive to a solid state ROM and you can no longer write data to it. So if you try to run your operating system on it, if you try to boot it up, it will not work because if you cannot write data to a drive, you cannot have an operating system on that drive. Yeah. It will not work. So he said, I fiddled around with the drive and I tried to uh, get my data off of it. And now it is like corrupted and I can't read it. And I was like, Oh man, and he's in a big pickle. So uh, his first issue fixing his drivers and everything in windows, you know, I get it on my bench. There are some newer drivers that if you install computers or if you build computers, uh, in the days of your that uh, you would not be familiar with. So uh, I found those drivers and got all that working for him. And then, you know, anytime I get a machine on my bench, especially something like high performance for somebody to work, um, I always do bench tests on it because I want to make sure, you know, that we're not having some other underlying problem. And when I put it on my bench, I was testing his graphics card, which is an RTX 3080, which is, you know, that's, that's nothing to scoff at. That's that's a pretty beefy graphics card right there. Yeah, it ought to be able to handle just about anything I throw at it, and it ought to por- perform phenomenally on any graphics card test. But um, one of the programs I use to test graphics card is called Heaven Benchmark, and you can go out, you can download Heaven, and you can run it on your computer, and it'll tell you uh, how hot your GPU is getting and how many frames you're getting and so forth, and it just runs all these tests. And I use it. Because I can't sit there and game on somebody's computer for hours on it. I really wish I could, but I can't. (laughs) So uh, I run that software to simulate work over that GPU to kind of push it and see, you know, how is it performing? Well, I put this 3080 on my bench, man, and it starts pulling like 60 frames per second. I was like, hold on. (laughs) I checked for any of the, you know, like sync stuff that might be on. None of that stuff is turned on. Um, I made sure that, uh, the fan and all was, was firing up when it needed to, so that it wouldn't be like thermal throttling or anything. Plus it'd be really weird for it to start a graphics test and be thermal throttling right out the gate. That's super bad. So anyways, uh, after, uh, 
checking all of that and running the test again, it still was kicking out about 60 to 100 frames per second. This thing ought to be pushing 400 or more. So I was like, all right, well, this is this is a big problem. So um, I'm looking at his uh, his computer and it's a it's a very beautiful, like custom made computer, like somebody some company built it for him and he ordered it from him and paid him just a crazy handful of money. Um, uh, the SSD in it alone, the one that turned itself to ROM, was almost five hundred dollars. Oh. But anyways, um, he had a, uh, a an extension cable on his graphics card, and when you have an extension cable in your graphics card, you have to mount it in the case in like a totally different way. It's it's better for cooling and stuff like that. But it turned out to be that that extension cable was his problem. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a problem, so I'm gonna take it out of the equation. I took it out. I put the graphics card directly in, like inserted it into the motherboard, and there was this like ridiculously huge heat sink where a uh, SSD could go under it that was preventing it from going in. So I took that off, which I'm assuming that's the reason for the extension cable in the first place. Oh, we can't fit it on there. We just can't get it. So you take that off, <laughs> and then you can fit the uh, the graphics card on there. So um, at first, I didn't know there was a heat sink on there. So I'm actually there's a picture of me um, where I'm holding it in with my thumb to make sure it doesn't fall out because I mean, it's just massive. Right. So I'm holding it in there and I launched the test and it starts spitting out 400 to 500 frames per second. And I was like, there we go. That's a lot. That's what you're supposed to do. So I shut the computer down and I took that ridiculous heat sink off of there and I put his graphics card in there. And then he has this huge hole in the back of his computer now because of the way the graphics card was turned sideways, all the little slots in the back of the computer weren't there so i had to fill the hole because i was like this dude could have a cat or a baby or something and you don't want your cat sticking his head in your computer and you know if your cat that's very thoughtful can fit their head in your computer they just might try to climb inside of right because that's like the litmus test for them like hmm, can i get in there well my head fit so <laughs> closed up all the holes and everything and um got it all back together got his data recovered off of his 980 rom uh, and uh, sent him on his merry way. He was he was very happy. But um, this Samsung 980 SSD thing, this is this is a problem, Jay. So um, there is a uh, an easy solution if your drive is not already beyond the point of ROM turn. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> you can <laughs> you can I just can't help myself. You can Google Samsung Magician, and you can download the software that will update the ROM. And that will fix the issue. Now, I've been reading some uh, some ugly things about Samsung SSDs, and I, I, I don't use them, like, loyally, but I do have them in most of my own personal stuff because their SSDs tend to be the best SSDs out there. Uh, well, uh, oh, how the mighty have fallen... <laughs> um, with this issue, which is, uh, the firmware on it would have to be over a year old to, uh, have this issue, but it's very possible that it could be on your computer right now. So download the Samsung magician software and check the firmware and make sure that it is up to date. I have also read that the 990 pro, the brand new SSD coming out from Samsung is that's been released by Samsung is prematurely killing itself. Huh? Um, wait, what? Yes. 
Yes. So I was reading that uh, people were just writing data to it like normal and it was affecting the health of the drive. So every drive out there, solid state, hard drive, whatever, it performs a test called a SMART test. I'm not going to get into the acronyms, but let's just say it's pretty smart because it reads a lot of the data on the drive, talking about read failures and all kinds of different metrics on the drive to determine whether or not it may be having a problem. And one guy wrote two terabytes of data to his brand new drive, and it reduced the health by 30%. (laughs) So that is a problem. Um, Until Samsung gets its ducks in a row on its SSDs, I'm going to recommend Western Digital. Uh Uh-oh. Black or blue. All right, going with WD. That's the official recommendation for the time being, huh? Boom. For and 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 the key to that though is for the time being, because like you said, you assumed that Samsung was the best. Yeah, but here I am, the quote professional. Like I didn't even know you had to update the firmware on those things. But well, you no, know, you I, you I assumed mind. you assumed it was a situation that could handle itself. Right. You I, were I don't you mind were admitting that out loud, but it's also one of those things where it's like, huh? It's pretty crazy to me that if it doesn't update itself. That problematic firmware could be out there that could brick your computer. Hmm. Thought we were better than that. Well, absolutely. So it's a good thing, I guess, that you ran into that issue so you could talk about it on the radio. So our thanks to... It was fun. I love a challenge, you know. I like fixing stuff, and I like being able to help people, but things like this are are unnecessary, you know? But it's like 90% of the things that I fix these days, Jay, are... A result of the manufacturers dropping the ball somewhere. And not user and error, per se. Pick it up and run it yeah. to the finish line. Let's stay in the same vein and go to our first call today. Aaron is in Memphis. Aaron's got a question about uh, his Nintendo Switch and the hard drive SD card. I have done some SD card shopping for a handheld gaming system within the last week. So this is right up my alley, Aaron. Go ahead. Uh, what's going on? Thanks for hanging, by the way. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, so my daughter's Nintendo Switch, uh, we play games together quite a lot. And uh, until, <clears throat> I guess we probably started started uh, probably the 12th game with the Switch. We played everything in the Wii. This is like the 12th game we've started with the Switch. And, and now the hard drive is getting full. And um, I know that there's a micro SD card uh, slot. Uh, and to be honest with you, I haven't done any research outside of uh, outside of calling you guys because the problem happened last night. Um, so we had to delete save data. Uh, well, we had to put it on the cloud. Excuse me, I had to put it on the cloud. And uh, so when she goes to play the game handheld, as opposed to in the cradle next to the television, you know, it's not on Wi-Fi, right? So it needs the SD card in order to find the save data and all that jazz. But my question is, uh, I know SD cards have different classes that mean, you know, write speed, read speed. Uh, and my question was, what class micro SD card should I buy for the Switch to where it's, you know, as fast as possible and doesn't have any issues? Or is it a Nintendo thing that I'm just not aware of because the problem only happened eight hours ago? Does that make sense? So, uh, as far as an SD card for your Switch goes... Um, there are several different out there, but you're going to want one that's like ultra high speed. Um, the micro SDXC would be the one that you want to go for. 
it's going to have a little X. And that's a Samsung, yeah. right? Uh, that is a Sam Disk. Oh, okay. Um, I'm Samsung sorry. Samsung are kind of we're kind of on a different we're on different terms right now. I'm not recommending their memory for reasons unknown and reasons unrelated. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, the, uh, I recommend the Sam Disk uh, SD cards uh, because they. Yeah, tend to be the best performing ones. I know, the, I know those folks because they uh, the, they're the ones that make the card for my DSLR camera. Um, so, for yeah. example, the, the well, camera they has have... to have class three or faster, or the camera just really is really really sluggish. So, since the camera with, for example, a class two card is really really sluggish, I figured the same thing would happen here with a switch. And so, oh, my question would. is, you know, what. What it definitely would. Um, so what you want to do, uh, there are SD cards that you can get specifically for the Switch. They're, you know, red and white like Mario. Um, and then there, really? you don't have okay. to get one that is, you know, Switch branded. That might actually save you some. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, they actually they actually have the, the Nintendo branded cards. So that might be that might be cool for your daughter. might give you a little extra street cred if you want to pay a little extra for it because you pay for it. Yeah, you see that cool red just you know, sticking <laughs> that's kinda, out of the That's kind of why I'm calling you all. That's kind of why I'm calling you all. I'm kind of yeah. hoping I can avoid the extra 25% that they seem to put on everything. <laughs> So pretty much what you need to do is look for an an XC. It's a micro SD XC. That's X-Ray Charlie. X-Ray Charlie speed car. Yep. And then, okay, you know, depending great. on how much space you need, just pick enough. Uh, imagine the Switch has a limit. How big are save game files for the Switch? I mean, I... I don't know because it hasn't been a concern until the yesterday. The same game files shouldn't be that big, but the game files themselves would be several gigs usually. Right. I mean, if I were to download the game as opposed to having the the card itself, I imagine that would be, you know, like 20 gigs, for example. Fortnite right. is like 20 gigs. Um, but just save game files, I, I was hoping I could get away with like 64 gigs. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, with 64, 128, something, you know, 20, 30 bucks. Um, the Switch can accommodate up to two terabytes, but it doesn't sound like you need near that much. But yeah, as long as you go with micro SD XC, uh, you'll have a card that's compatible and will be up to speed. Thank you guys so much. That was awesome. All right, Aaron, we appreciate it. And thanks for uh, hanging with us a little bit there at the beginning of the show. Uh, yeah, that's, it, I'm kind of surprised that. Uh, it will accommodate, and it doesn't come with, as you mentioned, it only comes with 32 gigs, but it will accommodate up to two terabytes. It's almost surprising to me to some certain extent. I don't know why, but it is. I guess they're just trying to keep up with the uh, the bigger consoles because you know you can slap a two terabyte drive in your PS4 like it's nothing. Right, right. But that SDXC for folks like me who are not on the up and up, that's not that's not a branding gimmick. Uh, no, no, no. That's that, that's that's a, that's a very like you'll if you search micro SDXC, you'll find several different brands that make that type of card. So I just wanted okay. to differentiate that uh, terminology because that's confusing lot, to me because I'm like, is that a Samsung stuff. brand type of thing? No, it's not. Uh, a micro SDXC is a thing that several different brands make. So there you right. go. It's a it's a it's a uh, classification. Yes, sir. Of that part. And. Uh, so your recommendation is SanDisk, and they do I mean, make. Yeah, yeah. See, the thing is, 
you have to be careful, especially buying something online, because you can get a counterfeit. It's silly. Uh, who counterfeits SD cards? I, I, don't, I don't know, but but it happens. Well, so, anytime you've got something that maybe people feel is a little bit too expensive for what it is or what you're getting, there's always oh, no, a... This is, this is a straight-up scam. This is this is where it says it has 128 gigs in it, and it's got an 8-gig card. Oh, that's disingenuous. I know, man. I mean, it's like you can't trust anything anymore. So that's why I say, like... Why would you do that? Go, you know, go with a brand name that you know, at least semi. But I, I personally use SanDisk cards. Like, they were the ones that... They're the biggest name on these cards, and they work. They work very well. I have SanDisk cards that are 10 years old that still work perfectly fine. Yep. Mine actually was uh, this week. Um, <laughs> for some reason, my children want to go in reverse with handheld technology. So, like, they're they're working back through uh, Nintendo DS XLs right now. Uh, and so, yeah, trying to find uh, – we were looking for an SD card that would go into a Nintendo – not Switch, a Nintendo DS – XL, 3DS XL. I'll get it all out here in just a second. I don't know why they're on that right now. That it's would got, just be a slower micro SD. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of people are uh, going retro. It don't well, cost console, It don't cost a retro. No, it doesn't cost retro. Retro is expensive, <laughs> man. Right. And, you know, that's a, uh, okay. So, um, you know, I, I played a lot of like Nintendo games when I was a kid. I had a Game Boy. I had a DS and all that stuff. And it was just brought to my attention that there are fakes out there for those things. And there's a lot of ways to identify them. So I hope you are uh, learning how to ID counterfeits in these things uh, if your kids are getting them. Because I thought I had a legitimate copy of Pokemon uh, Leaf Green. What? And it was brought to my attention that it is a complete counterfeit. I bought it from somebody on Craigslist like 10 years ago. So I... I didn't know. I, wow. Who, who knew? You know, counterfeit Pokemon games. Well, there's a lot. Of, hey, hey, there's lots of money in Pokemon, man. Like that's a couple of my kids are deep into that. So I, I totally understand where they're coming from with that. You can make a lot of money hacking or messing with folks with Pokemon. You could well, you just have to be so careful because you can buy a quote retro console or whatever, and it's not even real, right? Right. All right, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, hey, the, TikTok, the TikTok CEO appeared on TikTok to warn people about the TikTok ban. I don't know if they've been banned. I don't know if they were able to get it. I don't know how, that's work, how that works. It's like me coming on the radio and being like, hey, if you can hear me on the radio right now. Well, if you know the radio turned on. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. About to go back to the phones here in just a moment. I'm Jay White here with Jeremy Thompson, Wilts Couture. And uh, before we head back to the phone, uh, what I mentioned right before the break is, uh, you know, TikTok CEO going to the length of appearing, uh, the length of appearing on TikTok to tell people or to talk to people about TikTok bans. Uh, it's a big deal. I think it's we're just we're just starting on how mm, the popularity of TikTok is going to run into what is ultimately um, uh, our Internet gatekeepers worry about TikTok. Uh, this is gonna. I, I feel like this is going to slowly come to a head as we move along because a lot of people love some TikTok and more and more people are like, mm, I don't know if this is the way to go. So 
let me ask uh, Wiltz, uh, why do government entities have to worry about uh, their employees and, and their interactions with TikTok and how that that may damage, uh, you know, a government entity or a company because uh, they've been uh, pretty much across the board banned on government, uh, you know, issue uh, devices and things like that. But more private companies are going that direction, too. What is their worry with that? Well, it's it's the security of the data. It's the information. You know, I mean, you look at a lot of government entities and, yeah, a lot of our information is probably public. Um, I mean, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the public. However, there's a lot of, of, of things that are, you know, um, well, you know, just let's just look at the federal government, for example. There are financial decisions being made that could, for example, affect the stock market. So if someone were to actually able to get to that information ahead of time, which I don't know, you know, things like little insider trading, what kind of damage could they do, both, you know, financially as well as um, integrity? So the idea that someone can get to that information and get those conversational pieces, think about what all we do on our phones. Um, we can say, you know, oh, I, I do work on one phone and personal on the other, but let, let's all, let's, you know, be 100% honest. That's not always the case. Right. The two in, angle. Um, now I will go on. I, I, I am an anti TikTok person. Uh, my wife and daughter are not anti TikTok people, and that's become a um, it's a source of frustration. But but yeah, it just it really comes down to that. And you know, that's what we look at on the IT side is we want integrity of data. And when you give up that integrity, when you say, oh well, nothing I have, you know, I mean, I hear this argument a lot. I'm sure. Um, you know, y'all have heard it too. I don't have anything private on my computer, but but really, do you? Yeah. You know, do you want all of your conversations out there? Are you perhaps passing information back and forth with your spouse about, you know, logging into an account? Or, um, Lord, I get this one a lot with my daughter. Hey, what's my social security number again? Because some reason they don't remember that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, you know, just, just letting that information get out there. I think there's, there's this this misunderstanding of people that, no, I don't have anything private on my computer, but I think if you were to really sit back and think about it, you do. Um, for example, like in in my past job, whenever we put MFA, multi-factor, I think we've talked about that some on the show too. And yeah. people are probably used to that with their financial accounts and, you know, make sure you get that little code that's sent to you. There's a lot of arguments at first, like, why do I got to do that to get to my email? Ain't nothing private in my email. It's like, yeah, well, that's the same password that does your retirement no. and your health insurance and your Oof. dependence information. It's like when you really, really start thinking about what information sits in your phone or sits on your computer, and are you really willing to just let anybody see that? Um, I guess that's a, that's a big soapbox way of saying that, yeah, the concern is just really – there's a lot of small information that you may not think is uh, important in and of itself. But when you can combine that with other information, think about on, on a larger scale what that could actually mean. And people are data mining this information. So if I can ask, who, who, do, who do most people who have made the decisions to protect themselves from the potential of having their information uh, I guess mind through TikTok. Who do they ultimately think is are, are the people? Because I know, look, hey, for for whatever you think about Donald Trump, his 
his administration was way out in front of this. Like we were talking about this two years ago, his administration talking about an across the board TikTok ban for the United yeah. States, not just like government entities. Uh, and it turns out they were they were on on the spot with this. But who, who who are we? Who do we think? And I don't I don't, don't want to speak collectively for the whole group. But who do who are we? Sort of protecting ourselves from. I, I, I guess generally speaking, everybody thinks the Chinese government is behind all of this. But is is that really who we're kind of protecting ourselves from? Is it that simple? That broad? Well, I think that part of it is that broad. But I think you got to dig a little bit deeper than that as well. Um, you know, government entities, any government entities, and. And let's also preface that with saying, if you have a Gmail account, if you have an Outlook account, um, data mining is happening. If you think it's not happening, uh, you're really fooling yourself because data mining is happening. Um, I just assume it you know, is. I mean, every every time I yeah. open up uh, my Edge browser, I get warnings about several of the different Gmail accounts that me or my kids have logged in on my computer at home that it's yeah. that our emails, I get this warning every single time I open up Edge. Yeah. Is so that several is, of these not, email accounts have been a, part of a breach, you know? Yeah. So I, I just assume that's going to be a conversation just for TikTok. This goes beyond TikTok. And I think a lot of people make a um, a mistake of just, you know, they're really focusing in on that. And I think where that focus comes into is now we've kind of went from a, you know, uh, a marketing company that is actually mining our information. Now mm-hmm. we're talking about a government entity. Uh, potentially getting on in there. And I think that's where that's where the distinction kind of comes in and where the bigger concern comes in. Because because, again, if you're a part of a a shopping, you know, if you're in the different rewards programs, um, they're not doing that out of the kindness of their heart to give you free stuff. They're doing that in order to track what you're buying so they can, you know, market and target and get things. You know, so so this is not unique. But the 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 troublesome aspect of it is, is the fact that, yeah, it could be going for more potentially nefarious reasons. I'd like to interject here. Sure. Um, if you have any electronic device that can even be tethered to something that is connected to the Internet, that data is being mined. Um, I think the bigger concern with TikTok specifically is that the company that owns it ByteDance, is um whether it wants to or not it is directly intermingled with the chinese government as as all businesses that operate in china are under their control so the issue is not so much tiktok but it's what's going on with that data behind the scenes what is the government doing with it? And why are they so interested in our data? Of course, there's money behind it, but there's also a lot of information. And the information is worth there, – there is no amount of money that you can put on the value of information. Data is the most valuable resource on the planet Earth now. It's 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 more valuable oh, than, yeah. than oil. It's more valuable than any mineral, any you know, gold, silver, whatever. It's the most and, valuable thing on the planet Earth right now. And oh, aggregated data is even more valuable yeah. because that's data that's collected over time. I just and wish the amount of information that can be exchanged is absurd. So I, I just want to – I want to – 
I want to show you – I want to give a, a, a basic example so we're not like confusing our listeners here. But just recently, my wife has started listening to some of the music I like in her car. Now, I know I sound like I'm bragging. It's a major relationship accomplishment. <laughs> but But the bigger <laughs> issue here is that now that she has started listening to music that I like – YouTube is sending her music that it routinely sends me. Now, how is it doing that? Well, our phones aren't connected together, but they do communicate through Bluetooth. So my my suspicion is that these devices are communicating through Bluetooth, and they know that I like this kind of music. They know that she's playing this kind of music. They know that we're together in the car. And so they start sending more music that I like. It's weird because I, I pointed this out to her. I was like, hey, this is playing a lot of my hits. Like, do, do you, have you like been digging through my phone? Did you pull music off? She's like, no, I just played that one song that I know you like. And then all of a sudden, all this other stuff started coming through. And I mean, it was like slapper after slapper, like the things that I listen to on a daily basis. It was pushing through. And it was like, whoa, this is definitely information that i did not leak to anyone but has been used against me in in the most beautiful way possible thank you youtube i appreciate it but on that same note it's pretty freaky i don't like that you knew that right <laughs> all right let's go to the phones we have a couple calls that have been patiently waiting for us and i feel like i scratched an itch or i struck a chord that we all like we could talk about those things this this topic we were just talking about for a long long time uh, so let's take a quick break and let's get into the phones. We've got William and Jackson. William, thanks for calling and hanging on. What's going on? How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, I am, but my question, which I think she probably got, is I, I have two new Logitech unifying receivers that I try to put into t- two laptops. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you will, and make sure you turn your radio off real fast and, and listen to us to the phone because there's a little bit of a delay between the two. I know there is. Gotcha. Here we go. Yes, sir. Uh, hold it. There you go. You're gone. <laughs> All right, I got you. I'm fired. All right, can you hear me now? Clearly? Yes, sir. Go right ahead. All right, so I've got these two laptops, both of which are running Windows 11, and neither of them recognize the Logitech unifying receiver. Okay. They say, no. And you got any thoughts? Uh, have you tried the unifying app or program to, yes, to try to resync them with the device? I did that and downloaded it. And All right. Have yeah. you made sure that both of the devices are off? You don't want to confuse the both, sensor. Both of the receivers are off? No, but well, the receivers can't turn off. But the the keyboard, the mouse, whatever you've got it hooked to. The mouse, yeah, the mouse. I'll yeah. make sure. I can All right, make so sure turn those off, and then you run that unifying software. And then if you turn it on and it doesn't respond, then there's either something wrong with that device or there's something wrong with that unifying sensor. But it seems to me that it would be the device because the unifying sensor just—I mean, it's just an adapter. So uh, the software is picking it up. So when you flip the switch, if it doesn't work, you might want to try new batteries. It's got plenty of battery power, and a little green light comes on, and, okay. and I went through the process. All right. Okay, now, it's got good batteries. Are you sure that this is the uh, the unifying adapter that 
that it came with or that it's compatible with? Does the device itself, what, yes. is this a well, keyboard or a mouse? Let me, it's a mouse. And let me tell All right, you and why. it's got the unifying it's sensor, the, like it's got the unifying logo on it. Symbol, the symbol on it, yes. Yeah. Okay. So you've tried two different USB adapters, and neither of them will work? Correct. Then it sounds to me like you have a bad mouse, sir. But it works on my other, on my Windows 10 computer, which is a desktop. I bring it downstairs, and it works fine. Okay. If you have verified that this mouse and unifying sensor work on another computer, then it's going to have to be a driver issue with the unifying adapter. Okay. How do you solve that issue? Pretty much you would have to go into your device manager and uninstall that unifying adapter and try to reinstall it. I might also try just a different USB port. Okay, I can do that more easily. Okay. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it very much. All right. Certainly. William, we appreciate the call. And here's the thing. Sometimes, like I know we use a program, and this might not be the case with that at all, but it's something to think about. At MPB, we we unify a mouse over several different computers with a program called Mouses or Mouse Without Borders. And sometimes <laughs> sometimes in uh, a panic, uh, like when something goes down and we have to reconnect all of them, uh, we'll uh, attach all the computers or all the monitors and that's a mistake. You need uh, you need one base and all the rest of them attached to the base. They don't all need to be base. And when they're all base, they're all trying to pull from each other, and it's weird, and it doesn't work like that. You need one that's basically like the the, the pop and the other one that's like the sun. That's kind of how it has to – or the other ones are like the, the sun or the kids, and the one is like the parent. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's one thing to maybe consider in that type of situation if it has to work like that sometimes i don't know all right this is everyday tech on mpb think radio with wilts and jeremy i am jay and guys let's get right back into it let's start as promised in this segment with john and madison just got a question about getting some stuff off his computer john go right ahead what's going on thanks how do i get microsoft OneDrive off my computer forever and ever never to return <laughs> are you running windows 11 or windows 10 11. Said with a giggle in his voice. <laughs> well, uh, all right, the best thing to do is uh, press Windows key and R, and that'll bring up run. And then you want to type the word control. And then uh, look for programs and uninstall a program and see if they'll even let you do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Say a little prayer before you do it. Oh, man. Then, then click on install. <laughs> Well, I tried. Uh, I had a tech support guy uh, with a company I worked with uh, uninstalled it, but he warned me that every time uh, they did an update or possibly every time I logged back into uh, Outlook that it would reinstall it. Yeah, it's a pretty aggressive and annoying program. I don't know about all the ways that it will reinstall itself, but, yeah, Microsoft is really uh, – Really pushing those cloud-based services. We just love it as IT guys. Um, the other thing I would recommend is to right-click your uh, taskbar and go to your task manager and go to the startup tab and make sure that OneDrive is off when it does reinstall itself. If you disable it from booting up with your operating system, that will at least uh, keep it from... Uh, turning itself back on. You may not be able to uninstall it, but at least you can turn it off. 
man, oh man, are those personal storage, the, those personal space programs, man, they are invasive. I mean, they're great if you have like a massive company and you need all your users to back up their data and you need to mitigate data loss in like a you know few minutes or whatever. You don't really have data loss anymore. But for the individual, it's rather annoying. I mean, they're even great for the individual, but it's just like in, in OneNote specifically. Like, John, I, I know your pain right here. OneNote is aggressively invasive into your personal computer space. Like <laughs> – it's annoying. Like I, I, I angrily and aggressively deleted that off my computer, and it takes like like you said. I mean, look, it's a Microsoft program on a Microsoft platform, so they make it where you know there's several levels of deleting that. It, it, you you just can't make it go away like you make other things go away. So I just yeah, I totally get what you're talking about, John. Hey, we appreciate the call this morning. All right, guys. All right, let's go to Mo, who is up next. Mo, thanks for calling in. Where are you calling from, Mo? Hey, guys, I'm in Starkville. Starkville, excellent. What's going on this morning? So, you know, I'm uh, actually over here at uh, OCH at the hospital. Uh, my, my dad's not doing too good, and I, you know, I was thinking about his digital life and all of the different things that he has, his data and his notes and you know, it really got me wondering and wanted to ask you guys about this uh, concept of self-hosting. Have y'all ever discussed that on the show? I just discovered the show today. Um, and I thought how awesome it would be if uh, there was an easy way for him to just hand over everything that he wanted me to have access to uh, in, a, in a physical form, you know, uh, without having to, you know, go through all these different accounts and contact all these third parties to, mm. you know, I don't even know if it's possible to get into you know, number one, all that. Number idea one, sorry about the situation you're going through. We're very sorry about that. And number two, thanks for finding the show and listening and calling in. I, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I just want to say I've, I've thought about this before. Um, if there was a way that we could streamline that, it, streamline that, it, it would be amazing. I'm, uh, but I don't think it's, it's from a security standpoint it's like one of the most dangerous things that you could do with all of your information like how how would an entity be able to stay up to date with all the usernames and passwords you know i mean like all of that stuff would be almost impossible to keep up to date because how often does a, you know a senior citizen or something or anybody for that matter change their password so you'd have to have some kind of a, an entity to store it all with, and then you'd have to have a way to securely release all that information. Uh, from from an IT standpoint, it, it is it is a uh, it's a it's an informational nightmare. If if somebody got hacked, or if that entity were attacked, everything is in one place. So I, I I've, I've thought about the same like well, idea, like there <laughs> needs to be a way. But uh, dude, come up with it, and I, I'll be one of your customers. I mean, the first thing I thought me, of, and I don't, I don't know what right. Wills is thinking here, but like, I mean, uh, a Slack channel or like a a, a Google Sheet, mm-hmm. um, or you know maybe a program like uh, Notion, which is similar to Slack or something like that, where you can have a a, a dashboard. Okay to place all of someone's personal information or a person could place all of their information on, you know, in one place that can aggregate a lot of different technologies on, on a, like a single central ish type of dashboard. That would be one thing I would I, think. 
I think that makes sense. Um, just to, or, from an organizational perspective, being tidy about what accounts you have where and maybe using something like a password manager. But really, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a tech guy. And um, I, I was kind of my, my question is more along the angle of how, how what would it look like to uh, not have that third party, right? Could we actually, in some way, uh, create our own personal cloud or private cloud? And, and I want to push back a little bit on what I think Will said about having all the information in one place, because that's the reality of everybody's stuff everywhere today with the cloud, right? All Certainly, I don't. I don't personally use the cloud. Um, I use I use storage devices, and I have multiple ones, so I actually do keep my information in separate places. So, Wilts, what do you I do, do with use that? Some in, cloud storage. Wilts in a not, place where exclusively in a place where practicality is a little bit more important than explicit security or, or, or complete security, I should say. What do you do in a situation like that, Wilts? Well, I mean, um, for me, just personally, what I've done is I have a um, a secured password protected spreadsheet. I mean, it's getting you know, kind of uh, kind of low tech almost to where I put a lot of that information, such as you know um, financial information, account numbers, some passwords, and also using something like a, a Bitwarden or some of these password managers to where you can have just one. You know, big passwords stored in a safe somewhere that somebody could actually get to your your master password list. That may at least get you to some accounts. But um, you know, same thing. Take it know. offline instead of you know instead of doing a a, a Google sheet. You know, do yeah. do an Excel spreadsheet and then put it on a jump drive, and you've got you've got all the same form all the same information in a similarly you know dashboard type style. Uh, but it's not online. It's just you know, where you can use it if it's on a jump drive or something like that. But that brings in the extra step of making sure that you don't lose it and that multiple people know what it is and multiple people know how to access uh, the different things that are on it. That's all important, too. But that's that's an awesome question. And again, sorry about the situation that you're going through right now. That's a great question and something that we need to uh, to dig through further. We do a whole show just on that. Absolutely. Great idea, actually. We could even put like a everyday tech kit together for something like that and uh thanks for finding the show we appreciate you calling from starkville this morning that's going to do it for us thanks so much for listening some great questions today as always this uh episode is going to be on our uh, podcast page at mpbonline.org and you can download it wherever you get your podcast stay tuned coming up next is southern remedy with dr jimmy stewart we'll be back here next wednesday at 10 o'clock for everyday tech right here on think radio This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 